My fireside, you know, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about traditions and how important traditions are later on in the program today. Um, and one of those things is sitting around the fire with your family um, in the uh, in the summer. It's way too hot down here in Texas to sit around by the fire. Now is the time that you sit around by the fire and you you uh, can sit and you just look at the stars and talk. That's a tradition that we need to get back. And one way you can do that is with MyFireside.com. MyFireside.com. If you use MyFireside.com, you'll see this great stainless steel um, fireplace, fire pit. They're solid. They're durable. They come with three different stock decorative panels. But you can choose things from, like, you know, uh, Let's Go Brandon, God Bless America, uh 1776 the american flag but you can also have them custom made for you but you see the fire and that is the real secret with my fireside is you actually see the fire and the embers as they are as they are smoldering in front of you as you kind of just talk about philosophy with your family myfireside.com use the promo code beck and save lots to go into uh, today we uh, we have biden uh laughing about the uh, question where do, do we know the origin of covid <laughs> really that's your response um also donald trump has uh has decided to sing uh a little merry christmas song to sleepy joe we have that uh coming up in in just a second also, Nancy Pelosi came out yesterday and said this attitude of lawlessness comes from I don't know where, but it has to stop. Really, Nancy? Is it maybe time for your little cup of pills, too, and maybe some pudding? You don't know where the lawlessness comes from? And we're going to have a little Christmas treat for Stu, except he can't keep any of the presents. I'll explain in 60 seconds. program sometimes opportunity knocks more than once but it's never good to gamble too hard that it's going to keep knocking at that door 2021 has been a year of some pretty crazy changes most of them bad a few of them good and some like everything that's going on in the housing market are probably a mixture of good and bad whatever the case if you are a homeowner i cannot urge you strongly enough uh, that you need to think about refinancing your mortgage right now did you see what the Fed said yesterday? Three rates, significant rate hikes are coming next year. Next year, they also said that uh, they're going to end tapering, which is going to affect the stock market and everything else. This is going to be a huge bump in the road. American Financing can help you now save money and prepare for those bumps. American Financing, 800-906-2440, AmericanFinancing.net, 800-906-2440, AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS, 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. 
Stu and I were talking yesterday. He's really in the Christmas mood. I am not in the Christmas mood. I just don't have any confidence that uh, our holiday vacation is going to go well. I just don't have any confidence in it. Your personal vacation? Yes. So, Which includes <laughs> Christmas with the kids and everything else. We have had just such a bad year of something. It's like, well, for instance... You know, we've had problems with Tanya's father being sick now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've been up to visit him. Probably the last time you're going to see grandpa. You know, one of those things. Oh, wow. Like three times this year. <laughs> the guy's got more lives than a cat. I told him last time I saw him, you're never going to die. You're never going to die. Uh, but now mom and dad both have COVID. Uh, oh, and everybody's no. been vaccinated and everything else. And he's got co- he has covid. Then she got covid or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Then she fell down, had to go to the hospital. This is in this last week. Then. So he was at home trying to take care of everything. And then he fell down, broke four ribs oh. with covid in the hospital. They can't be in the same hospital room, even though they're husband and wives. They live together. But it's a covid thing. You can't be in the same hospital, even room. though they will have it. Uh huh. Uh-huh. That's a fascinating yeah. medical discovery. Whatever so, they've discovered to make that, I know, that rule I know, is fascinating. I know. So uh, it's just, I don't know. So I thought I'd do something today that maybe would put me in the Christmas mood. Okay. Okay. So you get to open some presents, but you don't get to keep any of them. Maybe I could keep one of them. No, you I'll can't keep one. any of them. I just think these are so cool. And the audience, if you're watching The Blaze, uh, you'll it's cool to watch. Uh, but also to describe them. Uh, so I've got, uh, what, five boxes there. You can start at the top okay. and uh, open them up. These are all things from the museum that we just got in. They must be expensive because you're making me wear gloves. Yes, them. they are. And they're mar- you can see that one has a, a red label that says high value. Okay. All right. So you open that up. Oh, wow. Wow. So explain what that is. Okay, so this is, uh, what is it, a clapper? Would you yeah, call it's it? a clapboard. Yeah. A clapboard? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not the clap. Clapper turns the lights on yeah, and off. right. Clapboards are what they do in movies where they like, you know, action, you know, that type yeah. of thing. Click and they, they clap the board and that's why you sync sound and, and, uh, yeah. and a video. And it says Universal City Studios, production Jaws, director S. Spielberg. <laughs> Wow. And, and it crazy? says at the top, it says a camera. What does so that mean? A exactly? camera, a camera. That means there's a, a unit and a B unit. And the B camera is for all of the pickup scenes. A camera is for everything that Spielberg was standing there the whole time going, all right, wait, let's do it again. Mm. It's all the important scenes. And I'll say this, this looks kind of. Can I open it up? Uh, yeah, but it has a kind of a latch on it. Do you see in the back? Um no oh yeah there it is yeah it goes up and down it's got teeth yeah it looks like it has teeth it was specially made for For jaws Jaws. (laughs) tons of pictures of that with steven spielberg isn't that cool yeah and handwritten stuff all in the back yeah those are yeah those are for the different scenes really cool yeah really cool so this one i get to keep nope you don't get to keep that one we're you know the museum is collecting we have collect we have now more um founding documents than anyone in the world um except for the national archives and the library of congress it's remarkable the collection yeah you can put it over there i will uh, I, but I, we're also now this is a collection of making sure we preserve american culture things that were really important in american culture how much does this thing run you how much 
How much does that set you back? That? Mm-hmm. Lots. I'll give you a hundred bucks for three, it right now. Nope, I'm not going to sell for that. No. These three things I bought uh, for the museum with the art, my art proceeds. So, all right, Christmas present number two? Christmas present number two. This is really cool. Okay. It's a Stetson box. Mm, it is. Yeah. Okay, and in it, it out. you can take it out and you can put it on your head. Don't read it yet. Don't read it yet. You can put it on your head. I don't know how to... Oh, you don't know how to put a Stetson on the what? Where is this? The the uh, little cross tab in yeah, the back. Yeah. yeah, not the X's that goes to the front. The little okay, like something. Like this. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's it. Like that. Yeah, your head is enormous because that's a big hat. <laughs> My head is enormous. Yeah, I, there's lots of brains to fit in it. That's yeah, why. and it actually looks okay on you. It I does. mean, you look. It yeah, does. it feels very awkward. Yeah, well, because you're I, not used to a cowboy hat. <laughs> no, I don't yeah. know if I've ever put one on yeah. in my life. So now take it off. Okay. And read the inside. Uh, it's made by Stetson. Says uh, Nudie's Rodeo tra- uh, Taylor. Mm-hmm. And it says Stetson. And it says made by Stetson. <laughs> Especially for John, John Wayne. Wayne. That's wow. John Wayne's cowboy hat. Um, wow. Not sure if it ever appeared in any movies, but it was his personal hat. And it was uh, given in a poker game he was at a poker game he was getting ready to leave and one of the guys at the table said wayne you haven't paid me for the last time you lost and he took off his hat and he said well this will probably pay for it and he threw it down on the table (laughs) and the guy kept it until he died no way yeah really cool wow really cool so uh you know i I get to keep this one no you don't get to keep that one no i'll give you 200 bucks for that one Nope. Right now. Nope. Right now. Nope. You're gonna well, love the, ATM, the la- You're but... gonna love the last two. You're gonna love the last two. Okay. So here we go. Number three. Okay. So number three. I'm trying to be very careful here. Uh huh. Oh my. Yeah. Jeez. So that is the gun belt of Jesse James. So if you remember Jesse James, this is the gun belt that he had. On the day he died. So he had two gun belts. Uh, this is one of them. Uh, if you remember, Jesse James was killed by the coward Robert Ford. And uh, Jesse James was kind of a hero robber. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, people liked him. Uh, and, uh, and Robert Ford was kind of a clinger on. And he really wanted to be famous and... Uh, He made a huge mistake. He killed somebody and then buried them in a shallow grave. And the the police found out about it and um, arrested him. And he said, wait, wait, I know where Jesse James is. And the governor said, if you kill Jesse James, I'll I'll pardon you for the killing of Jesse James and the guy you just buried. And I'll give you the reward. So he went and he was plotting. Jesse James didn't trust him. Uh, uh, Jesse and his brother were there and they were going to rob a bank. And Robert Ford said, I'll help. He went. He had breakfast with the two of them at Jesse James house. Jesse was sitting there in the parlor in the you know living room and uh, they were talking and he noticed that his mom's needle point that was over the fireplace was crooked. So he got on a chair, was straightening it out. And Robert Ford shot him right behind the ear, shot him in the back, um, in the head, actually. But he had his back turned. 
and mm. he became the coward Robert Ford uh, and uh, eventually was shot in the back as well uh, by somebody that really wanted him dead and it had no connection to Jesse James just hated the fact that this guy started to go on stage and make himself into a big hero. People turned on him quickly. He had no friends after that. Mm. And uh, it says here, uh, it's a cartridge belt used by Jesse James. One of the two he had when killed. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? You have cool toys. Yeah, they are cool toys. Unfortunately, they're all, they're all in the museum. Uh, by the way, <laughs> we want to do another museum and open the museum up uh, this summer for a major opening. Uh, it's going to probably take, you know, we've usually had them in this building. I have a feeling it may take two or three buildings now because this has expanded so dramatically. Um, and we're going to do that this summer, hopefully. Uh, okay, the last two. The last two. Okay. All right. I'm not sure which one that one is. And if it's... Sorry, it was empty. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, what? I'll huh? throw the box out for you, but it was this empty. This one is the coolest thing ever. This one is one of those things. Brad Meltzer, you know our good friend? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's going to... He'll flip over this. Uh, and this is one of the coolest things I've, I just, I've, I've seen. Okay. Opening it now. Christmas gift number four for Stu. American culture. Okay. It's red. Mm-hmm. It's clothing Take it care- carefully out, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wearing your gloves. Take it carefully oh. out. <laughs> oh, my. Wow. Okay. Take, okay. So. It's Superman's cape. Oh, my gosh. Now, open it up on the inside and read. This is on the collar. Wow, it says Christopher Reeves. Yeah. It says 4913 walking, which is interesting. With, unfortunately, what happened to Christopher Reeves? Yeah. Uh, but this is, that's Christopher Reeves. The, not only his cape, the, in the other box are his boots, and that's his suit. Oh, yeah. Look at the suit. But right pull his suit out, just the top. Look how small he was. Yeah. Jeez. Now, maybe, because it fit pretty tightly, so maybe. I don't know. Maybe it stretches a lot, but he was not a big guy, yeah, at least according to the suit. Yeah, it's it's a. Uh, I mean, it is sort of. I guess a. Spandexy, it is stretchy. Yeah, yeah it's sort a of material, but yeah. Has his, and those are his pants. I mean, and that's from the first Superman movie. I think these were custom, Glenn. I don't think he bought these at the store. <laughs> uh, just an amazing, amazing uh, thing, and. Uh, these are some of the things that uh, uh, David Barton has purchased. I have purchased. The museum has purchased. Uh, and uh, all of them will be seen in the museum. There's his boots. It just doesn't seem like a person saving the world would wear these boots. I'll have to say. No, it I, just doesn't seem. No, it looks more like Lady Gaga. Yeah, it does seem you like know? something Lady Gaga would wear. Yeah. Um, they zipped him right into these things. Huh? Yeah, they zipped him a in. A little tight suit. Yeah, and some big boots. It's a little weird. <laughs> it's it's now that I'm thinking about that little, whole thing. Yeah, it's, it's a little weird. Yeah, okay. yeah mm-hmm. it's like eh. yeah. Don't 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 be caught wow. walking around with that. You know, unless you are the Man of Steel, you don't want to be so caught in that j- suit. You don't have to tell everybody, but tell me how much does it set you back? How much? How much does all this stuff cost? I mean, just just. Most of the people uh, in the audience will just tune out, audience. 
Yeah, it's a lot. It's it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Uh, by the way, here's two more things. This is mm. Captain America's mask from the first Captain America. Look how small his head was. Wait, he wore this? This is from the first movie. I mean, it's like a kid's head. Three feet tall? Yeah, I know. Isn't that crazy? Wait, what? This is from the first movie, Captain America. The first movie being Captain America. But they've made several versions of that, haven't they? Yeah, this is the one of the Marvel series. This is the first Marvel series movie. It was the first in the series of the Marvel movies, wasn't it? Like recently? Yeah. With what's his name who plays Chris Chris uh, Evans? Chris Evans, Yeah. yeah. That's that's Is Chris Evans head fit into this. thing? I don't know. I just know no. that that it look at the inside. Look at the inside. It is from stage four. Number four. It's the hard version of the helmet for the film. Okay, we, we've uncovered some news here. Chris, Chris Evans yeah. is apparently a little person. I'm also going to show you. This is kind of this is wow. this is the actual uh, Captain America shield from the first movie. <laughs> That he wore, you know, that he wore in. That looks Chris Evans size, though. It does look Chris Evans size. This looks like. Like Did he have a shrunken head? I don't know. I don't know. Unfortunately, rubber, not vibranium. Really? Yeah. So they lied? They lied. Captain America is a small headed liar. Just like the real America. Rough Greens. You've heard me talk about uh, Rough Greens. By the way, you've got to bring your kids this summer. We'll tell, give you more details, but uh, next year is going to be a great, fun year. Uh, and bring your kids to the museum because we have all kinds of things they've never learned about with history. And then really cool things uh, like this that they will never forget seeing in person. Uh, Rough Greens. I've been talking about Rough Greens for about a year, and it is, it's fantastic for your dog. Um, Uno has been taking Rough Greens or eating Rough Greens for now about a couple of years, and I've never seen him act more like a puppy. We got him when he was three years old, and I'm not sure he was this energetic when he was three. Um, he's now 10 years old, and we put it on his food every night. He gobbles it up. It keeps him in good health and keeps his activity level up. He wolfs it. He used to hate eating. It's rough greens. Sprinkle it on your dog's food. See if they start to eat their food like, they're, like they should be eating. Uh, and then watch the difference in your dog's health. Rough Greens, R-U-F-F-Greens.com, roughgreens.com slash Beck. If you go the use slash Beck or use the promo code when you call 833-GLEN33, you're, um, you're going to get a free bag of Rough Greens just for your dog to try out, just to make sure that he likes it. Then start putting it on his food over a couple of months, and you will be blown away. Roughgreens.com slash Beck or call 833-GLEN33. 10 seconds, station ID. Welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck program. Uh, we're glad you're here. There's a man. There is a lot going on today um, that. Quite honestly, I mean, I, I look at the stuff going on today and let's see if I can start with some. Let me start with some good news. Uh, OK, I don't have any, but how about this? How about Nancy Pelosi actually standing up yesterday and saying, yeah, I don't 
I don't know where they're getting this, uh, you know, lawless behavior from, but it's got to stop. Listen to this. What it is, it's it's absolutely outrageous. You know, obviously it cannot continue, uh, but the fact is that there is an attitude of uh, uh, lawlessness in our country that springs mm. from I don't know where. Mm. Maybe mm. you do. Yeah, mm-hmm. we do. Mm-hmm. We do. We cannot have that lawlessness yeah. uh, become the norm. Yes, yes, that's a good idea. It's weird because I think that's what we were saying to them just a couple of uh, years ago. You can't allow this lawlessness to happen, you know, breaking the doors in of department stores and just going in and taking stuff. Peaceful marches? Sure. What Burning lighting, cities down? Oh, so lighting cities on no, fire. That's not a, that no. would be lawlessness. That would be All lawlessness. Right. Well, it's lawlessness when you don't punish it, right? If someone comes and burns the city down, that's one thing. Uh, and that person has mm-hmm. to deal with the consequences uh-huh. of that. At least uh-huh. typically, that's how society works. Yeah, worked. not anymore. These guys you know, these guys said that we shouldn't punish them. I always go yeah. back to that moment during the initial George Floyd riots where they walked in to a police precinct, yes. lit it on fire, and the police just left. Mm-hmm. At, not the police. Uh, they're not their decision, by the mm-hmm. way, of course. Uh, they did not want that to happen, but mm-hmm. they just left. Mm-hmm. And they let them take it over and set it on fire. They didn't even try to stop them. Like, mm. What? What? Am, I feel like that's such an amazing moment that's been overlooked. It's one thing, look, and it's really bad for a Target uh, or a, you know a, 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 an auto parts store to be lit on fire and no one shows up to put out the fire. Horrible. That's really bad mm-hmm. for a police precinct. I mean, that's just a signaling to everyone: do whatever you want. You know, what's really amazing is uh, if you've ever watched Batman, you can. You can see the uh, parallels between uh, Gotham and many American cities. They're turning into Gotham. Mm. And it's because it's lawlessness and no one will do anything. And so what happens? You look for you look for somebody who is just going to take it on and do it themselves. That's really bad. Really bad. And where did it start? It started with Nancy Pelosi and her gang. A real host, after talking about Gotham, would have a cool artifact from Batman. And you don't have anything. Give me three minutes and I'll go get one. (laughs) Uh, Our number is 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. We we have a lot to tell you about, uh, especially coming from the White House. It's it's becoming hysterical. It's like the Keystone Cops. And thanks for these presents, Glenn. Merry Christmas. This is the Glenn Beck Program. At the end of every day, I walk into my bedroom and I say, I came here to kick butts and get a good night's sleep. And I'm all out of butts to kick. So I'm going to get a... Well, that's, that's how you talk. That's how I talk to myself. That's how I talk to myself. Mm. Uh, and I, uh, I get a good night's sleep every night because I'm sleeping on a lot of stuff from MyPillow.com. I have the MyPillow, which I didn't like at first, but I had the wrong size. You got to get the bigger... If you're a bigger guy, you get the bigger size. Uh, and you just put your fist through the pillow on each end and it fluffs. I don't know how it's weird, but it fluffs and you don't have to fluff it again. And you don't have to keep looking for a cold spot all night. It's a great pillow. MyPillow.com. You can get it now. 
uh, for an amazing, amazing offer. You'll not only find uh, lower prices on the pillows, but you're going to get rotating discounts on 150 MyPillow products from the Giza Dream Sheets, which are fantastic, the mattress topper, the slippers, and so much more. Enter the promo code BECK or call 800-966-3117, 800-966-3117, MyPillow.com. Head over to blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. You can save 10 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. This is the Glenn Beck program. Uh, so we have an update on uh, Omicron. And it, there's some, some really bad news and some, I think, good news. But maybe I'm looking at it incorrectly. Um, it looks like it is much more virulent, which means it spreads. No, 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 no. no, no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Much, uh, more, much trans- more transmissible. Transmissible, yeah. Much less uh, virulent. So maybe, maybe mm-hmm. we don't know that for sure. But it, I mean, there's signs. There are signs it's, of it. We don't just, know, but it's signs. You know, a lot of times, you know, look, this is we've seen we've seen this pattern enough to know people who are skeptical of COVID generally gravitate to the best news information on this, and the people in the news media generally go to the worst. Right? We know that pattern goes on. So you have to you take time to sift through it and try to figure out okay, which which part of this is true, which isn't. Even the mainstream media has started bringing up reports about it being less virulent. Um, so that's that's good. It does seem like that there's something to that. It well, seems. it couldn't it couldn't reproduce this fast without leaving a wake. We know it's not more virulent. Yeah, I think that that I mean, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I I, th- I think it's going to wind up being less. There's a lot of people. They've done a bunch of studies. Um, they're just all really early. A lot of them are in the lab, but like th- this is the stuff they figure out to indicate what is going to go on. And they miss sometimes, but usually they get the direction generally speaking. Right. So it's now in 70 countries of uh, rapid growth in the UK. Uh, it, it now shows it can outcompete with the Delta variant, which if it is less virulent, that's good because mm-hmm. it will become the dominant strain. Um, already the dominant strain in London, already in South Africa as well. It says currently dominant in the U.S. and much of Europe. Um, no, it, Delta is the one that's. Um, oh, sorry. Delta yeah. is. Yeah. Um, also evidence that it is better at, than its predecessors at evading mu- immunity from vaccines or previous infection. That seems to be another thing that is real. Like, I, right. I you know, they, like where Delta, you know, it. Everyone was talking about the waning vaccine efficiency with Delta. You know, it was a little bit. I don't think it was all that much to be worried about. This one in particular, though, seems like not only vaccine immunity, but also natural immunity. It seems to be good at getting around, which is uh, uh, suboptimal. (laughs) Yeah. In theory. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But this is, you know, to me, this goes back to what I said in January before anybody was really talking about, you know, what it might mean. Mm Mm-hmm. And I said, if this is an outbreak, I fear the um, I fear the economic ramifications more than the virus. I just don't think this is going to be the plague, uh, you know, or a mm-hmm. Ebola. It's going to really attack us economically. That's what I was worried about. And then I said, it is eventually going to burn itself out as they do, and it will probably just become another flu yeah now that's bad because you know we lose flu sucks yeah the flu sucks and we lose what 
40 to 80,000 people every year in America from the flu. You add another 40 to 80,000, and that's a lot of people. Yeah, you don't want to double up on the flu if you Correct. can help it. But, I mean, long term, I think we will. That's how this probably that's, ends. That's right? how it ends. That's how it ends. And it, this might be a step in that direction. We don't know yet. Um, but we do know that it is uh, the numbers are a little staggering. It is it is much more transmissible. Um, on Wednesday, the UK reported 4,671 new Omicron cases, an increase of 87% on all those previously identified, bringing the total to more than 10,000 people. Infections from the variant are much higher than reported cases, given the asymptomatic infection and the lag time in testing to identify it. They estimate now Omicron infections could reach a million a day by Christmas Day in the UK. That's that is the way this is written. It doesn't. It's because the that, entire story is about the UK. Yeah, seventy five. That's crazy. Yeah, that's, there are what seventy five thousand. I think you said uh, per day. Per day. Now that was one. It's a spike day. Sometimes the data comes in strangely, so that's a little bit higher than they've been. But that's the record for the entire pandemic. Uh, if it continues, no, they, if it goes, no, they to, say they have previously identified bringing the total of cases more than uh, to more than 10,000. So you're 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 a long way away from a million. It's got to be for the, all of Europe. Hmm. Uh, it does seem though pretty clear that it is a lot more transmissible, which as you point out might not be bad. It depends on how much how much more transmissible it is, right? Cuz there are some indications in early lab studies and such that uh, Omicron may be uh, the virulence of it may be reduced 25, maybe even 50 percent. Now, that's not locked in. You can't you can't take that to the bank. But if that were to hold up, that's obviously really good really in that good. less people will die. The problem, though, is if you increase cases by five or ten X, that virulence is still going to wind up with a really bad bottom line number. I, I mean, I do think that, look, if you're living in a red state, if you're living in, um, uh, I don't think much much is going to change about your life going through this. Though I do think, you know, travel may be very annoying. If you're in a blue state, I think it's there. A lot of these, I don't think shutdowns are coming, but I do think no. you're going to get restrictions. You're, some of that stuff's going to come back on. You're seeing it in some places already. Um, well, let's you, this see may it, be kind of annoying. I, I will yeah. say it doesn't I seem think like it's, it's going nothing. to be. I yeah. think it is going to be annoying because I think the federal government will make it annoying. Um, I, th I think state governments will be also. Yeah, in blue uh, states. In blue states. Yeah, will be in on blue that. states. And, you know, they already are. But like when these things come up, like we also had, uh, you know, an Epsilon variant. Right. And that was in the news for a while, too. And it turned into nothing. Right. So sometimes these things happen. And the majority of them, I, I would say, a lot of these scares, we've seen it over and over again with the media. They turn into nothing. Mm -hmm. This one, though, like Delta seems like it could get to the point where it's going to be pretty annoying. I mean, like, I, I it it does seem to evade uh, natural immunity and vaccine immunity. Right. Um, uh, they, you know, which is weird because everybody's saying we've got to we've got to get on these vaccine boosters. Well, why? Well, I mean, it, it appears to evade those things. Yeah. It, it, now, now, the the initial studies and again, the, it's important to note this comes from Pfizer. So you, mm -hmm. you and, and like, I don't know. I understand it. You should definitely be skeptical of of McDonald's telling you how healthy their fries are, right? right. Like, okay, yes, I got yes, it. Yes. On the other hand, too, we're going to have real results from outside scientists within weeks. Mm -hmm. So, like, 
for them to just say, oh, get, go get boosted and have nothing behind it would also would, wouldn't help them in the long term. Remember, this is a company that buys all the pills that makes the villages so exciting to live in. Right. The, Pfizer has a lot of money, right? Like, so mm-hmm. for them to completely screw this up would be uh, would be there's not a lot of incentive for them to for a three week period of them selling extra booster shots. Their studies are showing um, that uh, so the the two shots are something like 33 percent effective against omicron where with the booster it goes up to about 80 is what they're saying now we don't know they are saying however and this is important the and i think this will hold up for natural immunity as well though i have not seen a study on it yet but the both the vaccine and uh, i think natural immunity are holding up quite well against hospitalization and death still yes so it's not a, and that's one of the arguments about the the difference in virulence the the aggressiveness of covid back in the day was against a population that did no one had it mm-hmm. and no one was vaccinated mm-hmm. and we didn't have treatments right now we're at a point where a lot of people are vaccinated a lot of people have had it and we have a lot of treatments and more coming so it may just be that it's this uh, similar virulence but we just have a, a a population much better prepared to handle it and that is important. It's why you don't well, put all these restrictions on again. We are able to make our own choices and judge our own risk. So they're looking at the University uh, of Ohio, Ohio State University. They're looking at the Omicron uh, variant, and they have found now that it looks like this variant doesn't go or doesn't breed well in the lungs. Mm. It does much better in the throat. Which is huge. It's true. Huge. If you get that out of your lungs, you know, that that's where pneumonia and you just can't breathe and all of that stuff. Ventilators, if you keep it, if this thing keeps out of lungs, it's going to be a lot better. Now, we don't know that's an initial report, but this is the way these things work. Generally speaking, this is the way viruses work. They don't want to kill the host. Life is trying to find a way to live and survive. So this virus is life. And if it goes into a body and the body dies because it kills it, it dies. And so it needs to get smarter and less virulent and kill less people. And that's what happens. That's why these things usually get more and more mild as they go on. But you're not going to see you're not going to see an end to the uh, the madness. However, let me say this. Have you seen the CEOs? Two of the largest uh, airlines say that they are no longer. This is American and Southwest say they are not going to. Uh, they're not going to do the uh, the mask mandates. They, hmm. s- they say that the I thought it was an FAA rule. Two CEOs, America's largest airline, said this week they don't believe the Biden administration's continued mask mandates requiring travels to wear masks while flying serves a much benefit, considering the fact that airplanes have advanced filtration systems that remove nearly all airborne contamination from the cabin. The comments came from American Airlines CEO Doug Parker, Southwest Airlines CEO Gary Kelly, came during a Senate committee hearing on the financial support okay. of the industry during so, the pandemic. So they're pushing back on it. They're opposing it. They're, they're opposing they it. They can't lift it themselves. But right. But that is a huge deal. And and honestly, you're talking about one of probably the safest environments you could yeah. be for COVID because of the you would think it would be filtration. one of the worst, but it's not. Yeah. Because it would be one of the worst if it was a sealed tube. Right. 
but they f- they filter that air. I don't know how many times. Oh yeah, before it comes blowing back in your face. So it is a very safe environment. And I know of really none uh, that I can think of outbreaks that have happened on planes. That's not to say that no cases have ever been transmitted on a plane, but like there's there haven't been super spreader events on planes and because think, of that filtration. Right. You would think that 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 closed in environment would be a super spreader event every time it takes off. So where are you on? Like if you had to say, um, let me give you two options. This is going to get pretty bad. Or it's going to fade away and be nothing. Are you a 50-50 person? Are you above 50-50 that's going to get bad? And when I mean bad, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't think it's going to be January, or April 2020 bad. Uh, but it's going to be, you know, worse than, let's say, the Delta wave of the, of the, fall, of the fall and winter last year. Where we had, you know, 3,500, 4,000 people a day dying. So I think, I mean, this is a sheer guess yeah, on my, I'm, I don't I'm, have any feeling on it. Um, I'm with you on this. I'm, it's just a vibe. Gut, I don't know. Yeah, my no, gut no. says that it's going to, it's going to be much more prevalent, mm-hmm. but much less scary. Yeah. People are not yeah. going to be afraid of this. They're going to, it's going to start just becoming part of life. Right. You're going to start people like I, the government's not going to reflect that. But the, that's where the American people and I think and the we, people we of the always world lead. are going to be. And we always lead, I think, you yes. know, we 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 will start doing the things. I mean, you saw this. You see this in red states all the time. You know, like there were mask mandates here much longer than people were paying attention to them. You know what I mean? Like people were living their lives and doing what they wanted to do, even though some of these rules may, remained on the books. And some of these places will implement these rules again. Yeah. And I think at this point, most people are just like, look, I got to live my life. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, if you're not going to live my life, it's it's this is what I got in trouble for when I said when when we were at the height, people like me, my age, I've lived a good life. I've had a good life. And if it meant keeping America's doors open on critical infrastructure, then I'd be willing to go in and, you know, I get the coronavirus and I die. Okay, I volunteer to do that. Keep America going. Don't keep shutting it down. And I think more and more people are like that. Look, I'm not going to live my life in fear of this stupid virus. Right. You know, we can't. can't. We can't. It'll be like this. We are going to live with the coronavirus for the rest of our lives. It's just going to be part of life now. So now's the time to make the choice. How much are you willing to? Are you willing not to see your children and your grandchildren on Christmas because you're afraid of the coronavirus? Maybe you are this year. Are you still going to be there next year and the year after? What is it we are sacrificing because of fear? When I woke up this morning, I'll bet that uh, you didn't expect that today you would suddenly have to drop thousands of dollars all of a sudden because something went wonky with your car. Uh, I didn't think that. Did you? Nothing has gone wrong- wonky with my car. Has it with yours? It's only a matter of time before it happens to both of us, especially if your car is out of warranty. That could be exactly what happens. You get up in the morning and you got plans and all of a sudden your car goes and repairs are not cheap car shield i've had it for several years now and i can tell you they've said saved my family and i a ton of money 
They have affordable plans for your budget, and they can get you out of a bind. It's so worth it to have nationwide roadside assistance, a rental car, and to be able to take the car to the mechanic of your choice and not have to worry about it from there because CarShield deals with all of it directly. So you don't have to worry about it. Don't spend thousands on car repairs. CarShield is the best defense against costly repairs that could put your, you know, put all of your finances into a deep freeze. Call CarShield. CarShield.com slash Beck. CarShield.com slash Beck. And save 10%. Deductible may apply. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I am mourning the loss of something uh, significant in America. Really? Yes. The Hemi V8 is now over. No way, really? Dodge is getting rid of the Hemi, um, and uh, it will be the global, the replacement is the global, global medium engine turbocharged six, which just is mm, like rolls off the tongue. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, and uh, so now we have a turbo six instead of the, the Hemi V8. And, uh, and 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 one supercharger. And that's so only that's... until we get to all electric. Well, there's something to be said about that because Dodge doesn't seem to be, you know, many cars are now like like uh, BMW. They're starting to go between. They're they're yeah. hybriding with the uh, mm-hmm. all electric. Porsche is doing that too. And uh, Dodge is not doing that. So is this the end of those kinds of American supercars? Are they over? Probably. This is the Glenn Beck Program. If you don't want to lose your hair, you may want to try Keeps. Why? Because first of all, it's easy. You don't have to worry about going out and going to doctors and and you know dealing with all the nonsense, getting to the pharmacy, all that. Pat told me Keith is his hair is actually growing back. Yeah. That's just, that's awesome. I am going to try that because I've taken Propecia my whole life mm-hmm. and it keeps it from falling out, but I've never seen regrowth. Yeah, I, I think that does happen with some people. Wow. Um, hate but, those people. <laughs> like Keith. And, and when you and you've stated many times on the record that you hate Keith. Yeah. So so, uh, so anyway, Keeps will uh, help you with this. Keeps.com. Uh, if if you have, uh, you know, if you notice any hair falling out, that's the time. You jump on it as quick as possible. And uh, they have all the doctor-recommended, FDA-approved uh, hair loss treatments at like half the cost. And they have it all online, so it's very easy to do. You can get in touch with your doctor 24-7. Go to keeps.com slash save, K-E-E-P-S dot com slash save. Get 50% off your first order. Keeps.com slash save. Keeps.com slash save. Radio show starts in just seconds. Welcome to the program. Two days away from uh, my last show today and tomorrow, my last show before the holidays. And I want to talk to you a little bit about some of the things that we're missing right now. There's a there's 
we're losing traditions and we don't even recognize it. I want to start there in 60 seconds. So I have always been a year-round griller, even when I lived up in Connecticut, and it was really, really super, super cold. But I like the steak out on a grill. Uh, But I will tell you, standing out there, they were always burnt because I would go inside and then they would start on fire. And then I'd be like, I just I'll just let it burn until it's, you know, just a little pink in the middle. Anyway, Rectech, I don't have that problem. Rectech, you can go and put whatever you want. You can grill, you can smoke, you can even bake. And you set the temperature, it adjusts the temperature in case it decides to, you know, get colder or or warmer outside or every time you open up the hood. But it also will tell you when it's perfectly cooked. It's a Rectech. It is seriously the greatest uh, grill smoker you'll ever find. Do yourself a favor right now and go online and check out the Rectech. Sleek, beautiful, made with solid stainless steel. It's really like grilling on a tank. Um, and it also has smart grill technology. So check it out. You won't find anything else like it. Order your grill for the holidays today. Go to Rectech.com. That's R-E-C-T-E-Q. Rectech.com. So I have to make a... A... a an admission to you. This is so far the least holiday I have ever felt in my life. And it may be for a myriad of reasons. The family is at a really, oh my gosh, the family has just had a really bad year. This has been the worst year uh, as a family. I think we've ever had. We've had some high points, but we've had so many low points. And maybe it's just that I'm not in the mood for Christmas. I just want to just want to get it done with. Uh, and I asked everybody on the staff yesterday because somebody on my staff said, you're not really doing anything about Christmas. And like, hello, Santa Claus, do you look like him? And so I asked, who's not into the holiday season this year? Everybody on my staff, what are the 13, 10, 10 people? Yeah. Um, everybody in here yesterday raised their hand except for two. Nathan, who just wrote a book about Christmas. <laughs> He's got a best-selling Christmas book. He has to be, he has in, the to be in the Christmas book. Yes. And you, Stu. Yes. And then I started the discussion saying, okay, so why is it? What what's what's happening to us? Because everybody, everybody on my staff, we are always excited for Christmas. Well, except for probably the one Jewish person, but uh, everybody's always excited for Christmas. So first we thought, okay, is it the lack of Jesus in the Christmas season? Is it the rise of, you know, consumerism, which I don't really even feel this year. I've felt that for years and parts of me don't mind if Christmas starts in September. You know what I mean? Because I've always liked Christmas. Yeah. I think... Now, hear me out. We have had multiple years of social polarization, and I think that's part of it. But also the death of our traditions, our traditions are being killed one by one. And perhaps we have forgotten how to make things sacred. We've lost our we've lost our reverence for wisdom that is passed down from generation to generation. 
we're now all focused on the future and Karl Marx that we've let the past disappear in our neglect. We built towers without any regard for their foundations. We build our homes on shifting sands. And sacredness. I don't know if you've been watching what's happening over the redesign of Notre Dame in France, but sacredness <laughs> has been sacrificed on the altar. It's far less important than inclusivity and connection. They want places to feel welcoming more than holy. And there is something about sacred spaces. We in our culture bring, try to bring everything together. We don't set things apart. Now, the left is doing that because of their religion. They are setting things apart. They are setting the forests apart. People shouldn't go in the forest. They'll hurt it. It's sacred. And then they set the abominations apart. You can't be in society because you don't believe this. But when it comes to, you know, regular people, nothing is sacred anymore. You know, I, I, I force my son, and this is one of our traditions, and I don't even know if we're going to do it this year. Every uh, January 1st, the family gets together, and we spend New Year's Eve together, and we have one really nice meal, and we all dress to the nines. I make, uh, I've made the decision that they're black, they're black tie. <laughs> That's okay. cool. And we've always had black tie. Since since the kids were small, we had black tie January or, or a December 31st dinners. And last year, we were like, ah, let's just dress up a little bit. And we weren't really even dressed up. And this year, I haven't heard any talk about it. And I've I've done it because I want my sons to know how to dress. I want my sons to know. And maybe that's ridiculous. Maybe that'll never happen because people aren't wearing even suits and ties anymore. So I don't know. But everything's blending together now. You know, our work bleeds into our home life because there's always something buzzing in our pocket. The idea of your Sunday best is gone. We're lucky if people show up to church in person. You know, just don't watch from home in their PJs, because I know I've enjoyed that. We're lucky people don't even show up. They, I bet you they have shown up in church in their PJs. More and more, our family gatherings are held virtually, where the family is together virtually, but in reality, we're not. And we've done these things now because we want to be connected. We want to include everyone. We want togetherness. If you ask most church folks why they don't dress for church as much as their grandma did, they'll say, because I want everybody to feel comfortable joining the service. You know, they don't want the requirement to wear nice clothes or or whatever to prevent potential churchgoers from attending. It's an effort to be more inclusive and it's an honest effort. But. You, it's like we've always said in my business, I can't program this show for the people who don't listen. We are who we are, and we care about the people who are listening. And we've lost so much our traditions and our sacred spaces. And it is our traditions and our rituals that bind us together as a nation. 
Jordan Peterson has recently talked about this tradition. Listen. We don't have much respect for tradition in the West, and it's a really, really big problem because the ethical responsibility of a human being is to take the dead culture, so that's the dead father or the dead god, and to revivify it with attention and communication. And you fail to do that, then everything disappears. And we are failing to do that. We're leaving it all behind instead. It's not a good idea. You know, if the old gods die, as Nietzsche said they had, new gods swoop in very rapidly. And if you think the old god was bad, you wait till the new gods get a hold of you. This is what concerns me so much. We are changing and we're not even noticing how much we have changed. COVID alone has changed everything. You know, at least after 9-11, we noticed, wow, you can't go to the airport anymore. You can't go to the gate. I've got to be searched all the time. I got this and that. Now, I'm not sure things are changing so rapidly. I'm not sure we even notice anymore. We're going to stand back probably soon and look back and go, holy cow, when did all of this happen? I remember that we used to. We're now being trained. That meat is expensive. We're now being trained that you're going to have an electric car. We're now being trained that, that you can not work and be paid. We're now being trained that capitalism is bad. We're now being trained that Jesus is a myth and there are no standards. We got to make them up ourselves. I mean, think of this. The flag is, in, is offensive. Football is racist. Thanksgiving is racist. What survives untouched? In the last few years, we've seen the death of things that bring us together. We couldn't go to football games. We shouldn't go celebrate Fourth of July. And now we can't go to, you know, grandma's house because of COVID. First of all, this has been happening over the years in bits and pieces. The family has been breaking down into smaller, smaller pieces. First, through people just moving away. They're not coming home for the holidays anymore. Then there's divorce. And so do I go to mom's house or dad's house or both? Now, through political divides, we're not having Uncle Bernie here. And vaccination status. We're closing everybody out. And after a couple of years of not gathering in person, I, th- I really fear many of us have lost the taste for it. I sat at Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving table, and I thought about the first Easter I was with the Kelowna family before I married my wife. And it was still with all the old people, the old people that had come from Italy. Talk with your hands, barely understand them. All of the immigrants that had come. And it was a table that was full and rich and no one got up from the table literally for six hours. And it was fascinating. And everybody was talking. This time, I went for Thanksgiving. It was mom and dad, my family. 
luckily the other kids two of the other kids uh came one of their family another one popped by to visit and the aunts and uncles they popped in to visit later and that's a good score for a family how many families are still doing that but it wasn't the same our homes aren't sacred anymore what is it that we're passing down to our children and we have to answer this question because nature abhors a vacuum and there are gaping holes that we have left open as we dismantle our society. And if we don't fill it with something good, it will be filled with something not good. I guess what I'm saying to you is what I'm saying to myself this Christmas Maybe we should all take a moment and just consider what is sacred. Perhaps it's the traditions you've inherited. Perhaps it isn't. But the one thing I know that I've learned since getting older, kids don't learn it through osmosis. I said something to my kids the other day, something my dad had said a million times. I don't remember what it was right now, but... It was one of these things that I grew up, I knew absolutely positively because my dad said it over and over and over again. And I said, kids, I know you've heard me say this over and over again, but, and both my kids looked at me and said, uh, I've never heard you say that before, dad. I'm like, what? Of course I have. And I'm not sure they might, because they're, they're really good liars. Uh, I'm not sure if I had. And I'm, I'm learning every day, every day. Kids don't learn through osmosis. Jeremiah predicted, surely our fathers have inherited lies. Maybe. But don't throw an inherited history away lightly don't do it without an understanding that that is digging a hole in your family and in yourself and something will come and fill it and have you noticed how many people there are in government and society that are more than willing to fill it one of the things my father used to say all the time is the name of God is I am. It's the most powerful two words in any language. I am. And if you don't know and say to yourself every day, I am blank because you don't know or you don't believe you don't believe in yourself. I am miserable. I am unhappy. I am a loser. If you say that, that is what you will become. So fill that blank after I am with something you want to become, something that you can hold up your head and say, this is what and who I am. And if you don't do it, he warned us in marriage and in life, there will always be someone willing to fill in that line, to fill in that blank. And it's happening to all of us now. We don't know who we are. We don't know 
where we came from. We don't know what to be an American even means. I am an American. I am a Christian. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I am clear about redemption. I am a warrior. I am not tired. I am just beginning. If you're planning to do some traveling over the holidays, you know, maybe flying out somewhere to meet uh, family, you're standing there in the airport playing on your phone on a public Wi-Fi, I would like to remind you, be aware of who might be robbing you at that very moment. And I don't mean the airline, although they did too, but cyber criminals, whether they're hacking in and stealing the information themselves or finding it somewhere out there on the dark web, cyber criminals have one thing and one thing on their mind, and that's take what's yours. And if you're not finding and using the best means of protection on the Internet, it'll happen to you easily. And if you're really unlucky, it'll happen and it'll be a while before you even find out about it. And then there's real trouble. That's why there's LifeLock. They're the best in the business. Nobody can identify everything, monitor all transactions, but they will they will look where others aren't looking. They're, I think, the best in the business. I think they were the first in this category, and they'll not only alert you if they find suspicious activity, but they'll also work with you to fix it. That's LifeLock. LifeLock. Save 25% off your first year with promo code BECK. 1-800-LIFELOCK. 1-800-LIFELOCK or LifeLock.com. Promo code BECK. Save 25%. 10 seconds. Station ID. Hey, welcome to the uh, welcome to the program. So there's uh, several things that I think we should uh, touch on. I want to go back to Omicron and the coronavirus. Last hour, uh, Stu and I were talking about um, the latest stats. It looks like it's much more transmissible, but the early indications are that it may be less viral, maybe less deadly. Um, and that would be good news. It's not going in. It doesn't feast on the lungs. It instead lives in the airways, um, and in our throats, which makes it much more transmissible, but also because it's not going into our lungs, it makes it uh, less deadly. We think at this point we're entering a time now and uh, Stu and I, I think we agree that, um, the American people, and I think people all over the world are kind of pretty done with it. They're done with it. They're like, you know what? I'm going to live my life. Yeah, I think that's true. I think, and look, obviously a lot of conservatives were done with it a long time ago. But I think looking at the country as a whole, and this is important to you if you're running a business. You might not care about what liberals do generally, but you're running a business. A good chunk of that business probably comes from the left. So, you know, it's important that everybody gets past this, not just us. And it, I think... There are still holdouts for sure, but I think we are moving past it pretty rapidly at this point. I mean, I don't think people live and die with this information every day. And I think most people don't even want to talk about it anymore. They're sick of it. Oh, yeah, they're sick of it. And I think I think people are like, look, leave me alone. Just leave me alone. Yeah. You know, you make your decision. I'll make my decision. Uh, Matthew Walther, uh, he's the editor of The Lamp, um, also contributing editor for American Conservative. He wrote a piece in The Atlantic uh, where I live, 
No one cares about COVID. And this has people in New York and people who read The Atlantic going, wait, wait, what? But I think he's right. I think he's right. It's where most people are. Uh, we're going to talk to him in just a second because it's, a, uh, I think, a rather remarkable uh, article that is a... I don't know. It's a wake-up like, call, I think, for a lot of people on the coast. Yeah. They and don't a, know this is happening. And a marker in time on where we are and where we seem to be pivoting to. That's coming up in just a second. Stand by. Omaha Steaks, this is the perfect gift to buy online if you're buying for your dad, your grandpa, anybody who loves meat. Meat is wildly expensive right now, and the Obama or the Biden administration doing nothing about it. Nothing. It's easy to fix. They're doing nothing. Omaha Steaks is doing something about the price. They're cutting their price by 50%. When you get the perfect gift package today from OmahaSteaks.com, you'll, uh, you'll get it for $99.99. You'll get the delicious butcher cut, top sirloins, the chicken breast, sides, desserts, and so much more. When you use the offer code BECK, you'll not only save over 50%, but you'll also get an additional eight Omaha Steak burgers for free. Perfect gift pack for meat lovers and at a reasonable price. Don't forget, eight free burgers when you enter the code BECK into the search bar. If you're a new customer ordering for the first time, enter BECK at the checkout. Get $20 off select packages. OmahaSteaks.com keyword BECK. The Studios America Christmas Party Power Hour is tomorrow. Oh Don't miss gosh. it. It's going to be a mess. Hangovers uh, Saturday. <laughs> StudosPowerHour.com. There's some new early stats out on uh, Omicron, and it looks to be uh, more transmissible. It, it could be by a lot, but it also looks less deadly, but we don't know yet. But that wouldn't stop everybody from freaking. I shouldn't say that. It shouldn't stop everybody in the media from freaking out and in Washington or in certain you know, blue states. They're all freaking out. I don't think the American people are. I think we're done with it. And uh, Matthew Walther is the editor of The Lamp, contributing editor, American conservative. And he's written a piece for The Atlantic where I live. No one cares about COVID. And I, reading the article, I think he's exactly right. Matthew, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Uh, so this, how has this gone over um, at The Atlantic? So, to be honest, I have been heartened by the response that I've seen from so many people, um, especially people just, you know, emailing me or sending me messages on social media to say thank you. We're so glad that there's somebody out there who's willing to um, present our actual experience of reality. We feel like when we read the news or we turn on TV, you know, a different universe is being presented. Yeah, you know, is. we thought we were the only ones. Are you getting those from coastal cities? Really from all over. I mean, that's the thing that um, was really surprising and, again, heartening to me. It wasn't just people who live, you know, in 
you know, sort of deep red rural America, as right. I happen to do. It's people, you know, who live in, say, the Connecticut suburbs who say, yeah, you know, the truth is, is that sometimes, you know, at work, they tell us we have to put these masks on or whatever. But for the most part, I'm over it. I'm living my life. We had grandma over for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all getting together to watch football. We're going to our kids' high school basketball games. Correct. We're just living our lives. It is, it is really... A, a strange thing. There seems to be a split, and I'm not sure that that split is going to last, um, except in places that are uber, uber, uber deep, deep blue. Um, but it's almost. I was up in Connecticut, and it's almost religious now. I mean, you are a pariah if you're not wearing a mask in some circles, outside, inside, all the time. It's it's nuts. It's it's almost a mental disorder. Yeah, you know, and the worst thing about it is, it's, I suppose it's one thing if these people um, want to engage in this behavior, but the ones I feel bad for are the uh, service workers, people uh, who clean hotels, people who wash dishes in restaurants, whom I fear are going to end up having to do this for years, oh, even yeah. after the, you know, people who consider themselves their betters have moved on. Yeah. I think that's going to happen with the airline industry too. If the airline industry doesn't, it doesn't wake up and start pushing back. You in your article talked about a trip in Washington, DC. And I had this exact same experience when I went into the coastal cities, you uh, said it was bizarre to find thousands of people in differently donning uh, masks outdoors. Tell me about that. Yeah. I, you know, again, li- living out here, I was aware that, masking, you know, when you go into a restaurant or you walk into a hotel was a thing. But the idea that people were wearing them outside in March, I, it, it just would never have occurred to me that that was a thing. There was never any real evidence that outdoor transmission of the virus was a thing. But especially when, you know, you're just walking down down the road. You're alone. Near you, yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, unless you're trying to signal something. You know, for other people, I have no idea what what the public health benefit could be. Well, that's an interesting thing. And you talk about that in the article, unless you're trying to signal something. I think this is a signal. I think this is like the red MAGA hat. This is a signal you're on one side or the other. I, I, I think it's horrible that it has become that. And I hope we can get past that. But I, I think that's what's happening. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And I should say, I mean, to me, I think that the sort of deep politicization of the most ordinary acts like walking on the street or going into a restaurant or whatever is horrible. You know, I think that people who go out of their way to put on masks to demonstrate some sense of superiority is obnoxious. I also think people who say put on a MAGA hat or a let's go Brandon shirt or whatever just to piss people off to try to provoke their neighbors. Yeah. You know, that's, that's obnoxious too. And yeah, I, I agree. Wish we could move beyond that. I agree. I mean, you can wear one, but when you wear it, just like I've got to, I'm going on the plane to rile everybody up. That's obnoxious. That is right. obnoxious, fun, but obnoxious. Um, yeah. The uh, uh, you come to the conclusion uh, that this is going to be just another stupid thing that we, you know, you wrote no fault divorce, factory slice bread, frozen meals, and of course, infant formula. 
are adopted enthusiastically by the upper middle class who then think better of them by the uh, time the lower orders come around. Yeah, um, obviously, that's uh, there's a lot to unpack there. But, you know, one of the most fascinating um, conclusions that sociologists have drawn over the last few decades is that divorce is actually not something by and large that upper middle class professionals are doing anymore. Um, divorce, if you look at, you know, where it sort of falls on the class ladder is actually largely concentrated among the lower middle classes, you know, who used to be the people who were most likely to have, you know, sort of lifelong stable marriages. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there's this consistent pattern that plays out where, you know, the people at the top get enthusiastic about something, people a little bit further down are sort of skeptical and the top imposes it on the bottom and then they think better of it and they discard it themselves, but everybody else is stuck with it. Mm. I don't know if that's going to, because I think that it is generally a lot of the elites that are doing this at this point. And I think I've seen a turn um, you know, I think everybody wanted to do the right thing at the beginning and we all thought the best of each other. Um, and now, it, you know, some of these things are just completely, you know, either unproven or disproven uh, to be effective in any way. And people are tired of it. They're like, look, I can't live my life in isolation. The re- I, I'm not doing it. I'll live with this. And I think that's becoming dominant. With Omicron, what do you see on the horizon? I think that what what we're going to see here is that people are finally going to come around to the reality that, um, you know, COVID is not like Russian roulette. I think that's how most people think of it. Or if it is like Russian roulette, it's, it's playing it with uh, some kind of weird gun that has, you know, uh, a couple million chambers in it. <laughs> and the same thing is true of, you know, of, of getting in your car for your morning commute. You know, there is always a non-zero chance that something really bad could happen to you. But I think what a lot of this comes down to is just people's varying, you know, assessments of, of risk. But I think what we're going to see now is people kind of quietly acknowledging to themselves, Oh yeah, you know what? I don't have to be worried about this. I can go about my business mm-hmm. and I can never be a hundred percent sure that nothing bad's going to happen, but you know, what can you do? Uh, his website is the lamp Uh, the article we've been talking about was in the Atlantic where I live. No one cares about COVID. His name is, uh, Matthew Walther. Thank you, Matthew. I appreciate it. Thanks. Glenn. You bet. So Stu, I mean, I think he's coming to the same conclusion, and it ties into something uh, that we talked about yesterday, and that is, can we can we play the Nancy Pelosi sought from yesterday? This is crazy. This is Na- Nancy Pelosi talking about how crime is just out of hand. Listen to this. You don't have it? It was cut two, I thought. What it is, it's, it's absolutely outrageous. You know, obviously, it cannot continue. Uh, but the fact is that there is an attitude of uh, uh, lawlessness in our country that springs from I don't know where. Maybe you do. <laughs> yeah, we do. You. And we cannot have that lawlessness uh, become the norm. Okay. Hmm. 
So we have yesterday the mayor of San Francisco coming out and saying enough is enough. Enough is enough. And this person is, you know, was was part of the progressive movement. She was the one who said, we're going to we're going to cut our spending for our police. We're going to try something different. Important to note, too, that was July of this year. Yeah. Only a few months ago, they they were still on this, you know, dissolve the police, defund the police sort of uh, direction. And that's switched around in in a lot of cities just over the past few weeks. People are realizing how bad of an idea uh, this was, which is hard to understand that it could take more than, I don't know, eight seconds. I know. I don't just one viewing of the mainly peaceful marches. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they were so locked into that politically, they couldn't see the negatives. And now they're seeing it, but they're blaming it on something else. They're looking to blame it on anything sure. else. But I think this is because, and we're going to talk to Michael Schellenberger. Um, he's the author of uh, San Francisco. We've had him on a couple of times. He's been pushing and saying, look, this, this has got to stop. And he's, you know, kind of on the left. He started, he used to be in the movement that the progressive movement about things like homelessness and stuff. He was right. an activist in that right. area. And I mean, and in some ways, I guess he still is. But he's just saying that, like, the, those approaches that progressives want don't, don't work. work. We need to change. Don't them. work. Yeah. Uh, and I want to I want him to talk about what it took to change. But he'll go into detail. What happened to this mayor? This mayor was approached by people average people Mm. that got together and said enough is enough enough is enough and the pressure started on her and that's that's what she says changed her is seeing people and i think this is happening all across america even in progressive san francisco people are waking up that's very very good news American financing, New Year is right around the corner. You need to be asking yourself, what are your financial goals? What is it you're doing to shore up your financial house? Where can you save money? More importantly, where are the areas where you're not saving money? Difficult thing to do, but uh, it's made a lot less difficult when you pick up the phone and call American financing. If you are paying 3% or more for your mortgage, call them right now. I don't know if you saw this from the Federal Reserve, but they're going to... uh, Uh, drastically cut tapering, which means they're cutting off the money to uh, Wall Street. So you're going to see some real problems there. Uh, And they're going to do three significant rate hikes beginning next year. Don't know when that's coming, but we know now it is coming. If you haven't refinanced, you must refinance now. You can even refinance your high interest credit cards, which I highly recommend. Roll them into your mortgage. American Financing at 800-906-2440. 800-906-2440. It's AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS, 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. You are listening to the Glenn Beck Program. You know, it's really interesting is I'm starting to see a, and I've been looking for this for a long time, a group of people that believe in, let's say, the Bill of Rights, uh, that understand individual rights, but also understand that the system that we have, the way it is currently operating, is not working, and mainly because of violations of the Bill of Rights. But there's also other things that are happening in society that we need to take a new look at and figure it out. Um, you know, there are so many people who are homeless who are really 
seriously disturbed. How do we how do we deal with that? How do we how do we deal with the homelessness in California? The one thing you don't do is what California has done and just made it like, hey, you can do whatever you want. You can crap over here. You can be shooting drugs and everything's fine because it's not fine. It's not fine. We're going to talk to um, Michael Schellenberger uh, next. He is the author of San Francisco. He is uh, he's a guy who was when we first did our special on CNN on global warming. He was known as the environmental justice warrior. He was the savior of the planet around that time, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he went through a long career of activism on on global warming. And as you know, he'll tell you the story, but he, you know, he believed a lot of that hype about it and, and recognizes that, uh, you know, when, after looking at all the data that that just doesn't prove out, it's not even in, you know, it's not like we're being skeptical of their science. Their science doesn't even say this stuff. It doesn't. So he went through all the claims and has some amazing interviews and moments in there where, I mean, some of the time, some of the things you've heard like AOC say, he, instead of just debating it like everybody else does he just actually got an interview with the scientist who supposedly said it and then that scientist said oh i didn't say that that's not what it means at all everybody who's repeating that is wrong like it's that that clear so it's pretty interesting the work that he's done on that topic and he has sort of the same journey i think with this and that he was very active in the in the movement um, early on to try to solve some of these problems of, of extended homelessness and, and these issues and it was on the progressive side and he now is looking at these things with a totally different eye and he's come up with really detailed solutions uh, to it because this stuff is not going away if we continue to treat this like um, we should use our streets as both the residence and bathroom of mm-hmm. homeless people in every one of these big mm-hmm. cities this is going to turn out really badly and it, and is. it already is yeah it already is here's he lives a, there by the, the way he's 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 dealing with it on an, an everyday basis here's the uh really fascinating thing uh to me is right now we have the opportunity to think outside of the box and really meet with big thinkers on both sides because the the crowd hasn't come yet the big thinkers are coming and they're like, look, my, what, what, what I've been advocating doesn't work, clearly doesn't work. And we've got to find something new. And some of the things you guys have been advocating seem to work. What can we do? What can we do together? Um, and that's a really rare opportunity. But it's going to be those people coming together from both sides and sitting through those uncomfortable moments going, I really disagree with you on this particular sliver, but let's find the things that we do agree on uh, to move forward. This is the Glenn Beck Program. There's something really exciting going on. Um, the, the, world is, the world is changing. Uh, and people who have been hardcore lefties are now starting to go, wait a minute, wait a minute, hang on, some of this stuff isn't working. And we have a real opportunity to talk to people who were, were dedicated on the other side. I mean, not radical, revolutionary, you know, kind of people, but, um, but people who believed in different things than we believed in. They are now saying, wait, I I may have more in common with you than I thought, and we can actually find our path towards one another.
because the world has changed. I don't want to throw out the Bill of Rights or the Constitution. But other than that, I'm pretty willing to listen uh, and find a new path. And what's happening is the left is starting to cave and say, uh, gee, I don't I don't know why our cities are on fire. I don't know why everybody is killing each other. And that, but that's got to stop. Well, it just happened in San Francisco with the mayor of San Francisco. A guy who has been calling for this uh, is Michael Schellenberger. He is the author of the book San Francisco, and he's with us to talk about what's happening in San Francisco in 60 seconds. The Glenn Beck Program. So in almost all cases, the secret to, su- to success in buying or selling a home is having the right real estate agent and timing. It's not as simple as just having somebody who knows how to find a good home for you. Well, you said you were looking for, you know, something in this budget range. Yeah, but no, that's not what I'm looking for. They really have to listen to you and somebody who knows how to get the best house for you in the best neighborhood for you, the best possible price. There's a lot to being a great real estate agent. And my company, realestateagentsitrust.com, has gone and looked for the traits that real successful real estate agents have. What is it that they do? How is it that they keep their satisfaction rating so high? And how is it that they sell so many uh, homes? Well, there is a secret to that. That formula exists. Realestateagentsitrust.com is where you can find those real estate agents. It's a free service to you. Tell us if you're moving or, you know, you're selling or you're buying, whether across the street or across the country, and we can help you find the right real estate agent as a free service to you. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Michael Schellenberger is with us, the author of San Francisco. No, San Francisco. Sorry. It's a great, a great book. Stu's just wrapped. Are you, have you finished it yet? Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. Um, Michael, welcome to the program. How are you, sir? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Glenn. You Glad bet. To be back. So this is this is a a good thing that's happening from your point of view. I would imagine uh, San Francisco is starting to come to their senses. I mean, we're thrilled. I mean, what can I say? I mean, it's incredible to see the San Francisco mayor got up. She said in very blunt terms that things had to change. She explicitly called for tough love. She used that those words, tough love. And then she used an expletive, which I won't use. Yeah, um, I she said BS. Um, she said we're not going to tolerate this BS anymore. And it was a very strong speech. I mean, look, there's a lot of reasons to be skeptical. I've read 30 <laughs> years of, you know, 30 yeah. years of proposals coming out of the San Francisco government promising to do this. But it's clear she staked her political future on what she does next. And it's just given a lot of momentum to the critics of this kind of radical, progressive left nonsense, defund the police, that demoralized and demonized police, and that resulted in this crime surge we're seeing. We also saw the former mayor of Philadelphia come out and criticize the left-wing DA for for. Um, for basically dismissing the fact that we're in a crime wave at all. I mean, much of the left has been in denial that we're in the midst of record homicide levels in many cities, you know, incredible amounts of crime going on, all of it created by 
progressive policies, all of it allowed by progressive policies. So to see this backlash now coming, including from the heart of progressivism, is really quite inspiring. So I want to play something from Nancy Pelosi, because it goes to the mayor of of San Francisco. Uh, and here's what she said yesterday. Nancy Pelosi. What it is, it's, it's absolutely outrageous. You know, obviously, it cannot continue. Uh, but the fact is that there is an attitude of uh, uh, lawlessness in our country that springs from I don't know where. <laughs> Maybe you do. Yes, I do. And we cannot have that lawlessness. So here's the, here's the thing. She's, she's claiming she doesn't know what's caused this lawlessness. It has been her and people like her who have allowed people to set fire to our cities. Um, and it's the progressive policies. Now, this particular mayor, it was, I think, in June that she said, you know, I'm all in. We're cutting the budgets. We're doing all kinds of different things. What's how has she changed? What happened to her that make her that has given her this pivot point? Well, you know, Glenn, there's this famous old slogan from, I think, the 70s, which is, um, liberals become conservatives when they're mugged by reality. And I think that's just what's happened here. I mean, yeah, it's striking. You got to remember San Francisco and, and Mayor Breed was one of the first progressive mayors to call for defunding the police. She announced $120 million in cuts to the budgets of both the San Francisco Police and Sheriff's Department just last year. I mean, we've seen the results on the ground. I mean, things are absolutely chaotic. It's hard to describe if you're not here, but we have, you know, the older and worsening problem of street addiction, open-air drug scenes, open-air drug uh, markets with violence. There's homicides have obviously increased all around the country, certainly in the Bay Area, particularly in Oakland, but also in San Francisco. And then we've seen this just greater audacity and brazenness of this really looting, you know, these smash and grab robberies organized on Snapchat, thieves going into luxury department stores, stealing designer handbags, and really giving lie to the claim by AOC and others on the progressive left who claimed that, oh, that these are just poor people stealing bread to survive. I mean, mm-hmm. these are folks that are stealing luxury handbags for money. So it's just, And then it's selling not, them openly on the street and, and not being hassled, right? Yeah, that's right. Exactly. I mean, uh, you know, we, when you and I talked before, this all boils down to a victim ideology, the idea that you can divide the world and people in the world into victims and oppressors and that, to the victims, everything should be given and nothing required. And that means that they basically, you know, started, the DA has stopped enforcing many laws against uh, people that they they deem to be victims, whether they're drug addicts, mentally ill people, um, people breaking laws. uh, And that's what's given basically permission to all of this increased criminal activity. So do you think that this is another shell game? I mean, look, there are there are Marxists that want a completely different system. I think there are people that call themselves progressives uh, that don't really understand what the progressive movement really kind of turned into. Um, but th- they they do agree with the Bill of Rights. They do agree with law and order. Um, and they they you know, they they believe in a lot of the same things I do. Which category is she in, do you think? Is this just another, 
Marxist progressive that is now just going to try to hang on to power? Or do you think I mean, real asking, changes are open or on the table here? I mean, you're asking exactly the right question, which is there's a lot of progressive people that kind of go back and forth with one of two views. I mean, one view is I would call it a more liberal view, which you believe that, hey, we all have the same police. We should all be under the same laws. This is the foundation of our Constitution. This is the foundation of our civilization, which is uh, equal rights under the law. There's another view which says, no, we have to have this radical change. We need to get rid of the police. We need to have some completely different group of people in that role. The laws should be enforced differently depending on your, your identity or your experience. And, you know, you can see the difference. It's like there's one, you know, one set of people want to reform the police who doesn't want that, who mm-hmm. doesn't want to make the police better. There's another group that want to just get rid of them. And I think that when you see heavily emotional moments like last year, the George Floyd video, nobody could watch that and not be horrified by it. Nobody could watch that and not want to see police reform. Correct. That in those emotional environments, the radical left takes advantage of people's genuine sympathies and genuine empathies, particularly liberals. They manipulate them to suggest that we should somehow abolish the police or defund the police. In fact, the research shows very clearly that if you want to reduce police violence, you actually have to fund the police. You actually need more police officers so that they have the time to get the training that they need. Michael, in your book, you, you had, I'm going to try to remember the anecdote, but you, you, you talked to someone uh, and you did a bunch of interviews for this book. And I thought it was really illustrative of what, what the issue is here. And it was about someone, a, a theoretical situation where a frat boy, a hammered, drunk frat boy comes out in front of somebody's house and goes to the bathroom on the sidewalk versus the actual problems that are going on in San Francisco, really, with homeless people and others doing that same thing. And it seems like they're advocating for completely different treatments of these people, uh, as if one is really bad and one isn't. Yeah, you got it. I mean, this was you're referring to this conversation where I confront an impo- uh, a lead attorney with the ACLU, and... I say, so you're saying that you shouldn't enforce laws against, say, public defecation if the person that's doing it is mentally ill or addicted to hard drugs. And she said, well, you have to make a judgment. I mean, if it's a frat guy urinating in my driveway, then he should be arrested. But if it's somebody with mental illness, you should send out a social worker. And, you know, first of all, that's just not actually how, that's not the best way to deal with the problem. I, I, I talk about how Europe deals with it, very liberal Europe. You arrest people for committing crimes, and yes, at, at the jailhouse, in front of the judge, with a psychiatrist, they are evaluated for whether or not they have a mental illness or a drug addiction, and often the alternative is rehab or psychiatric care if they're mentally ill. But we don't do they, that. And we stop doing that, yeah. exactly. And we, we've answer, actually, I think we've made it worse. We've then given them free homes and, you know, a yeah. free apartment with absolutely... No responsibilities. No responsibilities. You don't have to become clean and sober. You can just keep doing what you're doing, but now you're inside. You got it. And in San Francisco, I describe how giving cash, giving housing to people with serious mental illness and addiction with no accountability results in worsening of their disease and often death. And so, but at bottom, it's this idea that somehow the law should be enforced differently 
or that people should not be arrested for certain crimes, when in fact it's actually arresting people for those crimes that often gets them the help that they need, while of course also protecting public spaces, uh, uh, public dignity, um, you know, and, and, and cities themselves. So it's really, they've created the worst of both worlds. They've both created increased human suffering and the destruction of our greatest cities. So out of those two categories of people, the ones who just want radical change and, uh, and those who just are seeing problems and, you know, want to fix things, but they're within parameters, where is this, do you feel the movement uh, of the first category do you feel like that is starting to change and they are starting to say, look, I, I think there's a difference between a Democrat and you guys or a. Yeah, I think for sure. I mean, you know, so breed. The thing that's been happening is that the progressives came to power in San Francisco and breed, even though she's mayor, she's a weak mayor, not due to any fault of her own, but because the system gives her very little power. She's on this broader board of supervisors that's controlled by progressives Breed is sort of the last generation of the moderates, and she's been outgunned really for years by the progressives. So I think what we're seeing is moderates coming back. You know, you sort of ask, what will the future bring? This is a really dynamic moment. It's a really chaotic moment. So truly, um, we don't know. It depends on what all of us do. I mean, I, you know, we've organized parents of kids killed by fentanyl, parents of kids addicted to, to hard drugs and clean fentanyl on the streets, as well as recovering addicts. We've created a coalition called the California Peace Coalition. We're actually scaling up nationwide because there's been so much demand for this nationally. We've put a lot of pressure on these guys privately, publicly. We've held protests of drug dealers in L.A. and in San Francisco. And I tell you, it's had an impact. I mean, the response from people to our protests was basically what took you so long. Yeah. You know, and, and we were like, look, we were the first ones protesting drug dealers, but I think it had an impact. We've also seen the communities most affected by open-air drug dealing, which, of course, are poor mm-hmm. communities, mostly minority communities. They've now started having marches and protests. And what's so interesting, Glenn, is that that's exactly what worked in other parts of the world, including the Netherlands, including Europe, is that it took the communities, the people themselves, from those neighborhoods, getting organized, demanding change, that's what's led the mayor to take the action she did. The crime obviously wasn't enough. It really took this kind of outrage, this action by the people, by the parents, by those communities to get this uh, change yeah. of heart by the mayor. Yeah, I read a story in the New York Post today that said that it was those, it was the people from the community, and she was forced to look at it and and uh, and would attend and would actually talk to people. And she was like, you know what? We're wrong on this. We got to move towards the people. And the people usually have the answer. It's just whether or not the uh, politician is humble enough to listen to the people. Michael, thank you so much for everything you do and uh, and have a great holiday season. Thanks so much for having me back on, Glenn. You too. Happy holidays. You bet. Uh, Michael Schellenberger, he is the author of San Francisco. Uh, and the founder and president of Environmental Progress. All of the things that you would think I really don't like, but I find this guy very, very reasonable. And, uh, you know, he's the author of Apocalypse Never, which is... You got to have that book, too. Yeah, you have to have that. Both of them are really, really great. Apocalypse Never has so many things you'll go back to over and over and over again when you're debating the environment with your friends. Yeah, and he was the guy who Time Magazine said is the hero of the environment won the green book of the year in 2008 
started doing more and more research and was like this this is not that what they're saying is not true yes the environment is uh, important and in trouble but it's not going to kill us all it's not like what they're saying and i don't know if any of these solutions that they are saying are the good right solutions the guy is an honest broker of information and uh we have far too few of those especially on those who came from the uh, progressive left Michael Schellenberger is his name. Back in a minute. Now, if you know anything about me, you know that I love eating snacks. And you really don't have to know much about me. You could just see a picture of me and you're like, that's a snack eater right there. That's Mm -hmm. a guy. An expert. That's an expert on Mm -hmm. snacks. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so when you're coming to uh, somebody and asking them about snacks, you can go to my wife or or, uh, uh, Lisa, Stu's wife, Mm -hmm. and they can tell you about healthy snacks. Yeah, uh-huh. that's what, great. I yeah. can't wait to hear more. Right. I can tell you about good snacks. Mm. Now, here's the best thing about Built Bars. Our wives told us about Built Bars, but they said they're really healthy. And we were like, hmm, it's great. Great to hear from you today. And uh, mm-hmm. just pass by. Mm-hmm. Then <laughs> I was really desperate for something to eat. And uh, Built Bars were in the refrigerator. And my wife had been saying, <laughs> And so I, because there was nothing else to eat, I decided I would snack on one. I think I ended up with about half of the box and uh, passed out with real chocolate on my face and <laughs> built bars, you know, wrappers all around. And she's like, oh, you found them, huh? Apparently you like them. And I'm like, I love them. <laughs> built bars. Built.com. Built.com. Use the promo code BEC15. Get 15% off your order. Use the promo code BEC15 at built.com. 10 seconds. Station ID. Yako Buins is Yako. Come on in. Come on in. Uh, he stopped me in the hall. In case you don't know who uh, Yako Buins is, he is the president and founder of Share Together um, and ShareTogetherNow.org. He's a guy from South Africa. He's an American citizen now. Um, uh, he has been doing things to rescue slaves. His his uh, sister was abducted from his family and made a slave when he was in. Africa worked forever to try to get her back um, and is just a just an amazing guy on everything you do. You were down at the border just when was this last weekend to about 12 days ago, 12 days ago. And uh, tell me what happened. We're at the border to support law enforcement. So we took a ton of resources down, Glenn, because we fight child child trafficking but particularly with taking resources down i wanted to document once and for all the process end to end from the other side of mexico what what the journey a child takes mm-hmm. with the illegal flights the buses the trips and so we were documenting this whole process and in the middle of documenting the process as it would be we follow the bus to the to the border patrol processing center in del rio and the bus enters, we're filming the bus, all legal. Border Patrol came out, said, hey, thanks for all your help and support. Just don't, you know, come onto the premises, stay where you are, good. As the bus enters, a Border Patrol officer in his Toyota Tundra truck exits the facility, stops cold, looks at our group, makes eye contact with one of our, our members, our senior members in our team, and floors his vehicle and whips. Peels out. Peels out and whips the vehicle right and strikes 
one of our senior members runs her over but the interesting thing is there's 10 of us standing in the group he misses me by four inches somehow misses seven other people yeah it's frightening frightening video but wait until you hear the follow-up that we're going to show you the video of what happened on the border with a border patrol officer on people who are trying to help them uh and now the state is involved great story to follow up this is the glenn back program Remember the hardworking, God-fearing, family-oriented people living in this country that constituted the majority, shared a little something called American values? Well, I think those people are still the majority. We're just quiet. We, I mean, what are you going to do? You got a, you got a replacement for, you know, Monday Night Football? Do you have a replacement for, for Disney? What do you do? Well, you do have a replacement when it comes to uh, cell phone service. These giant corporations are part of the problem, and there is only one Christian conservative cell phone carrier. Now, I wouldn't ever ask you to sacrifice uh, your service because of a cause. I want to I want to present to you things that you can do that will make a difference, but give you the same reliable service at a lower cost. And if you're doing business with Verizon and AT&T, they're funding the other side. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. Get free activation with the offer code Beck right now. It's PatriotMobile.com slash Beck or 972-PATRIOT. Switch now. Don't forget to subscribe to Blaze TV at BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn and it'll save you 10 bucks. Pre-order your copy of The Great Reset. Wherever our books are sold, you can get The Great Reset. Make sure you give it to somebody uh, for Christmas. The book is officially released in January, but you can order it now. It's my new book, The Great Reset, um, and uh, makes a great Christmas gift. All right, we're sitting here um, watching some amazing video uh, from Yako Buins, he is the president and founder of ShareTogetherNow.org. You were covering the crisis on the border because you are watching. I mean, it is clear child trafficking is happening yeah. at an enormous rate. And so you were tracking all the way from the Mexican side all the way to here in America and not just to the border guard. But also, they're going to put them on a plane, and they're going to send them someplace else. To Florida, to Alexandria Airport in, in, you know, right. in, in Louisiana, up to wherever in mm-hmm. the U.S. The process of the children coming into the country, making the point that the, the notion that we can keep every child safe, that our president mm-hmm. made that notion, is, is incorrect. And, and these children end up in the hands of traffickers in the U.S. So now you're following the bus and you go to one of the stations for the Border Patrol where they're processing these kids. You follow the bus, but you don't go in. No. Um, one of the border people come out and say, hey, thanks for the support, blah, blah, blah. And uh, you're standing there on the edge. And I'm going to show a video. You'll be able to hear what it's doing. A truck comes out. Uh, like a Ram truck or something. What Toyota was it? Tundra. Okay. And um, uh, this uh, Toyota comes out. It has a border guard in it. You can see his face. He pulls up. He stops. 
he looks at somebody who is with you. Yeah, a senior member of our team, a female. Okay. And who's filming the bus. Right. She's filming, and he slams down the accelerator. You'll hear the car peel out, and then you'll hear the thump of her being hit. Listen, watch. There's the bus going in. Now comes the Border Patrol agent and apparently his personal truck. I mean, that's incredible. Wow, wow. he threw his truck at her. He threw his truck at her. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I mean, that's, that's insane. Yeah, and for what reason? Doesn't know us, and if he did for a minute, all we do is support law enforcement, but then he flees the scene of the crime. He gets chased down to a red light, flees again, and it turns into a massive debacle because he is a border patrol agent in uniform. Um, very unfortunate. Wait, when you yeah, look okay. at the video, too, you, he's not even looking forward where you would normally look when you're driving. He's looking directly like with eye contact at, at this woman who yes. he just tries Hits. to run over. Yeah. Stops his vehicle, comes to a stop. Looks at her and the stop is protocol for them. And I found that out yeah, because yeah. the gate has to close behind them so that no one can sneak into the gate. So he follows right. that protocol. So he's at least with wherewithal for that. Yeah. And he knows. I mean, he's clearly looking at you guys on yeah. the corner. And there's 10 people and that he's looking at. He's not just looking at he's looking at, at this particular woman, but he, which you don't see. He misses me by six inches, maybe enough for me to, to touch the truck, to slap the side of the truck, to yell stop because you just struck a human being with your vehicle Mm. so um now you might say and this is this this will separate this show from the left and the rest of media you might say that that guy thought you were a bunch of lefties that were trying to you know do bad things to the border patrol even if that's true i hope he goes to jail um, you don't you, d- you just don't do that. Yeah. You say that you just think this is something that is showing how close they are just to snapping the pressure they're under. You know, Glenn, you do such a great job. You and Stu on this show of just connecting dots for America. You do an amazing job. So if we just continue that thread connecting dots earlier that day and the day before I have interviews with state troopers. And what you have to remember is not just Border Patrol. We're using state troopers, mm-hmm. National Guard, mm-hmm. Texas Guard. This is, this is copybook the message on the border. Anybody you talk to, sir, we are here to support the refugees. And I say, son, he's 25. No, you signed up for the U.S. National Guard for a different reason than that. Sir, we're here to support the refugees. Then you could say, but they're not refugees. Sir, we're here to support the refugees. And what that says to me, and I look at this, the pressure that our law enforcement agents on the border are under because of the administration. The message and, and, the, and the edict and the mantra from the Biden administration, they're going to crack. You're going to see this happen more and more and more. We're seeing Border Patrol agents commit suicide. This is a result, I believe, of an unholy pressure that's on our law enforcement from the administration. Because can you imagine every day after day, I'll show you kids being fished out of the river. If you see that as a Border Patrol agent and you know you're not deterring illegal immigration that pressure is going to mount up something's mm-hmm. going to snap but you are pressing charges against him aren't yes you? and yes. so uh, this is federal so the district attorney is taking it it's even in the attorney general of texas's office at the moment 
And the charges against him by the state, not even by us, is um, aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, which is a felony. And then second felony, fleeing the scene of a crime. There's going to be a civil suit by the woman who was struck by the vehicle, rightfully so. Mm -hmm. But there's a federal suit that's got, even got nothing to do with her. So he's he's in serious hot water at this moment. And he, do we know anything about him and his record? Yeah, we do. Um, and look, it's public knowledge. His name's Roberto Duran. No reference to the boxer, right? Okay. But, but, but and, and he's been with Border Patrol for a long time. They call him Bobby. And to what we know, no prior behavior like this, which again tells me it's just it's, the snapping. These guys are snapping. He doesn't know us. He's never had any interaction. If he knows anything about us, Glenn, you know. He'll know. These guys are with us. They fight for us. Yeah, Heck, yeah, yeah. The day before, we delivered goods to Border Patrol, like physical resources, right? So I think this is it's unfortunate. He has to, of course, he acted as an individual, and we'll see whether the state feels that, that the pressure was he was complying, whatever. whatever. It doesn't matter. He still, he still should pay for, should a, pay. for a, yeah. a crime. I mean... You know, fleeing the scene is uh, is almost as bad as the first one. I mean, you know, two bad decisions. Yeah, you make a mistake, you don't flee the mis- you don't flee the scene, and I think the peeling out of the tires intentional. Yeah, speaks uh, speaks uh, volumes. Yeah, yeah. Yako, thank you for everything that uh, you're doing. Let, let me ask you one more question. When they filed this, I have heard that. Is you had nine eyewitnesses? Nine eyewitnesses who had sworn affidavits on site. PD took this very serious. PD separated themselves from Border Patrol because PD can't arrest them. It's got to come from Washington. It's yeah. a whole, it's a debacle. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Glenn, when that case was filed by PD to the district attorney's office yesterday, they omitted to enter the eyewitness reports or the video. How, how is that possible? It's not. I mean, it's possible if it's done intentional. It's not in the case mm-hmm. file. So now we had to go to the district attorney, also notified the attorney general to say, look, nine eyewitnesses signed affidavits on site. None of it's in the case file. It's a problem. There's so much cover up <sighs> at the border, Glenn. There's so much. I mean, it's, it's insane what's happening down there. Guys who are working on the border, you can't. Just let things fall where they fall. Let the chips fall where they may. Please. We, uh, I believe most people in the United States are with the Border Patrol. Yeah. You start covering, you start doing anything like this. I know the pressure. I know. But you've got to be on the up and up. And I, and I really, truly don't think I believe and I know 99% of our our border patrol our you know law enforcement officials etc cetera, etc cetera, are good guys mm-hmm. don't make excuses for the bad guys let the chips fall where they may we've got to have somebody we trust and if you start doing stuff like this you'll lose our trust and then what do we have what do we have yako thank you so much thank you Glenn. Um, thank you Stu. keep us up to speed on uh, on what happens become very apparent in recent months that uh, what the current administration lacks in knowledge on what causes inflation, it also lacks the knowledge of what it what it takes to fix it. Now, the problem is the Fed came out yesterday and said that they're going to raise interest rates three times, uh, significantly raise interest rates is what they said, uh, three times next year. 
Okay. That's good. However, they're also tapering all of the free money that they've been given to the back door. Um, and uh, so they're now everybody's on their own. Nobody's getting a bailout. Those two things are going to be very, very bad because we've done too much. The Fed is afraid they don't have any bullets that will actually work to get this thing under control without collapsing the economy. We are in that place where we could collapse quickly and the dollar could spiral out of control quickly. Please do yourself a favor and at least find out the information on gold and silver. Can you diversify and protect some of your retirement, your 401k or your IRA? You have a self-directed IRA acquisition. You can get 6% in promotional metals for qualifying self-directed IRA acquisition. So you can, you can buy them uh, and get extra metal. It is worth at least investigating. Please, please, please. The dollar will become worthless. When that happens, you don't want to be holding everything you have in dollars. 866-GOLDLINE. 866-GOLDLINE. Or goldline.com. The Glenn Beck Program. <laughs> this is the Glenn Beck program. We're glad you're here. Hey, the last uh, Wednesday special was last night. Yes. And it was a big one. DeSantis. Ron DeSantis on the program. Yeah. Did you get to the bottom of whether we had talked to him before? I, I, I feel like we have, but yeah, I we don't have. remember we have. it. Yeah, it's we been have. a while. Uh, he is. Uh, I like him yeah. a lot. I like him a lot. Does he like you? Because we know uh, at some know. point you don't usually know. He screw was very up every nice. relationship. Yeah, I so. know. Well, with politicians, because they'll do, they'll end up doing something that is like, you can't just take your opponent away in handcuffs, <laughs> and uh, then you'll complain about it, and yeah, then we'll never talk to you. Right? Again. Exactly. But so far, so good. Here he is on uh, the border situation. This is Ron DeSantis from last night. Now the story is is that you are using uh, migrant children. Uh, for political purposes, uh, I assume this is because the federal government flew um, illegals into your airports in the middle of the night without alerting anyone. Is that correct? Not only did they do that, Glenn, uh, one of the people that they brought in who they said was a minor but was actually 24 years old, uh, then committed a murder in the Jacksonville area. And so Hey, we're not for Biden running this border the way he is and then ferreting people out in different communities, including Florida. That terrible crime would have never happened. What Biden is doing is he is conducting the largest human smuggling operation yeah. uh, in the history of our country. This is intentional. Donald Trump had policies that were working. Uh, he reversed all those knowing what the result would be. Wow. I, I talked to him about he's dead serious about the shipping them up to Martha's Vineyard. Really? Yeah. He said, the, I have to get the money. And I said, if you need a bridge loan, right. you know, I, yes. call me. Mm -hmm. uh, and he said, uh, he said, I think we're going to get the money from the state to do it. He said, but uh, this has got to stop. And so when they have another plane that comes in, if we, he said, it's like CIA stuff. We don't know when they're coming in and they'll just land. He said, but we will find out when the next plane is coming in. If we catch them, he said, we're just going to 
take them and we're going to put them on another plane and we're going to send them to Martha's Vineyard. And he said, you know, it's it's time we stop this nonsense. And I told him, if you can't get the money, call us. We will raise eight million dollars for you to do that. We that that we can do that we can do for for plane loads of people going to Martha's Vineyard and Delaware. Yeah. Yeah. I think we can do that. Mm -hmm. I think we can do Mm -hmm. that. Be a be an honor to do that. Um, here he is on uh, running for governor uh, and also running for president. Cut 11. Now, you're going to be running for governor, but they're going to say that, you know, any opponent of yours is going to say he's just using the you know, gubernatorial uh, offices uh, as a stepping stone. In Florida, you're nothing but a stepping stone to the White House. How would you respond to that? Well, nobody has poured their heart and soul into this job more than me. I think if you look at the, what we've been able to achieve, you look at me going across the state, meeting with people, delivering on promises, you know, that's what it's all about. It's all about leadership and we're going to continue to do it. It's also interesting, like, you know, I don't go around saying anything about about 2024. Like that's all just speculation that gets imposed on me. But when I have my opponents will actually say, you know, if you reelect him governor, then he's going to eventually get elected to something else. Aren't they acknowledging that I've been a successful governor? I mean, typically, <laughs> if you get reelected, and you, you know, you must have done something right. And if people are saying all this stuff, so you know, but from the very beginning of when I ran for governor. You know, we, we kind of take it one day at a time. And I want to say, what can I get? What more can we be doing on a daily basis? And so we're very active. And when I became governor, I told myself, whoever succeeds me, I want the meat to be off the bone. They're not going to have a lot to do because I'm going to take everything I can, the low hanging fruit, the difficult fruit, and we're going to knock it out. And, you know, we have, Glenn, if you look at my inauguration speech, I've already accomplished everything I said I would do then, and then we've done much more. And that's the thing. So many politicians promise big and then way under deliver. We did promise big too, but we've actually over delivered on those big promises. I, I will tell you that I think that uh, he's not gonna run for president in 22. Really? Yeah, I think he's gonna run for governor. And uh, then when, uh, or not, uh, sorry, not in 22, 24, but 24, yeah. I think, Trump is going to run. If Trump doesn't run, then maybe. But uh, if Trump runs, he's not going to. He's just going to button that state up. He's doing a great job in a in a purplish state. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, they like him. They like him. Uh, he's doing a great job. I think if Trump runs, he won't. He'll wait four years. This is the Glenn Beck Program.